starting August 1st, man, I would, uh, I would, I would challenge you and ask you, will you join, uh, our team and I for, uh, for prayer and feasting? Prayer and feasting. Every January we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, I like food. Amen. Anybody like food? Um, and so we're going to do 21 days, uh, or not 21 days, 28 days of prayer and feasting. We're going to be praying here every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Uh, we're just going to be asking God to bless our church, bless the fall. Uh, man, there's so much that I want to talk about with that. But also, well, as feasting means, are we going to eat more? No, I want you to take someone in our church out to dinner, uh, out to lunch, someone you don't know, and say, hey, I've seen you before, and you can kind of do the finger pointing, you know, and then say, let's get together, and I want you to have um, some community. So tw- uh, 28 days of prayer as well as feasting. Go out, go out, enjoy lunch. Doesn't have to be expensive. It could be anything. All right. We're all going to go get 99 cent ice cream cones at McDonald's if the machine actually works. You know, like, and so that's going to be great. Uh, but also, uh, 9-11, September 11th, we're going to two services, folks. We're going back to two. Go two services. And, uh, and so we're excited for that. Um, we have Connect Day taking place. Our, our, our team members, our coaches, and our leaders, uh, we all met together and prayed over it and said, man, we're ready to go to two services. If you have family members that are late to the 10 a.m., don't even tell them there's a service time change so that they're on time. They're going to show up at 11 and go, we're on time, you know, uh, but 9.30 and 11 a.m., and we're excited what God is doing, even though we have a large property, kids over there. We're excited for, uh, for our team to not only attend, but also to serve one, worship one, serve one, Worship one. Are you guys ready for the word? All right, do me a favor. I'm not going to do necessarily a Bible story. We're in the middle of a collection of talks all summer long entitled Bible Stories. Uh, Lorenzo hit us, he kicked us off uh, back in what, May? Uh, Back in May, he kicked us off with the parable of the talents. He did a great message on that. Uh, We talked about Naaman in the Bible, Naaman who had leprosy. Uh, We talked about Gehazi, Gehazi, you know, whatever your context is. We talked about him as well. And we kind of sat there for several weeks uh, with those two characters. But today, I actually want my Bible story uh, to be a passage of scripture found in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter two. So Jeff, I love you taking notes. I encourage you to get your notes out. Anything you could do, get your phones out, man, open up Facebook and don't scroll. Cause if I see the thumb, I'm judging you. Okay. Uh, I want you to leave it on your uh, newsfeed and say, what are you feeling today? And just write in the messages there, Instagram, this thing. But I, I encourage you, man, we can hear a good message in here, but we leave and go out there. We might forget it. And that's why we go back to our notes, back to our paper and say, Oh, I'll, now I remember what the Lord spoke to me. And so first Peter, chapter 2, and let's go into God's Word. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We got jumbotrons in here. And so 1 Peter chapter 2. So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy. Today's going to be a good word, right? Put away all malice. Let's talk about hypocrites today, you know. So put away all malice, deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk. It's a message in itself. That by in it, you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, Jesus was chosen and precious. So you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a spiritual house, all right? You're a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood, uh, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God and to Jesus Christ. Let's pray over this word. Dear Heavenly Father, bless this word, anoint this word, help us to apply this to our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said. 
Amen. Amen. That was a long one, huh? Amen. Now, here's my Bible story. It's First Peter. Now, we all know Peter, one of the disciples. Peter was the one who walked on water, then sank, right? Peter, uh, he was the one that was kind of the leader uh, verbally. Peter, uh, he was the one that when Jesus got arrested, he cut a dude's ear off, and, and Jesus was like, Peter, you know, put the, and he healed the soldier's ear, and, and Peter's the one who denied Christ. And, and so here's Peter in First Peter chapter 2. But for the entire book, they, they, they really believe Peter wrote uh, first Peter uh, in Acts between Acts 62 and 67, whether it took place during that time, but this was kind of the period that Peter wrote uh, First Peter, and he wrote, as well as he wrote Second Peter, and he was actually in prison, and so uh, they believe he was in prison in Rome, and then he got out, and then he had to go back. He like got caught, you know, like Peter the Renegade, and then went back to Rome. It was in prison, writing these letters, and First Peter was written to the persecuted Christians in Rome. And so these Christians are starting to get persecuted by the emperor Nero, all right? And Nero was, he hated Christians. And another example of Nero hating Christians, he hated Christians so much that he would find them and go, are you a Christ follower? Do you follow Jesus? Are you part of the way, which was Christianity back then? And what he would do is he would grab them, seize them, and put them in a coliseum and release wild dogs to eat them, uh, to eat Christians, and it became a spectator sport. And I say that because Avenue Kids is a great place to have your children. No, I say that, I say that because I want you to know how much Nero hated Christians. See, Paul, uh, Peter wrote First uh, uh, Peter between 60, 62 and 67, but it's interesting that Paul was martyred in 68. And so Peter's writing in a word of encouragement to persecuted Christians. And after he like releases the letter, his, his friend, the apostle Paul, was then martyred by Nero. So just kind of put in the context of how great the persecution was back then. That they're being murdered. They're not, they're not like, uh, you know, like, I put an Instagram post up. I mean, this is a lot more than just that. And so here it is in 1 Peter chapter 2. So Peter says, guys, guys, listen, I know they're persecuting us. I know it's tough. I know it's difficult, but I want you to put away all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. I want you to put away. I want you to just put it away. Like, like we're, we, we, we represent Christ. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that, that by it you may grow up into salvation. I studied this out. I was going, do we, does this mean like, like we're earning salvation? Because sometimes we think we have to grow up to be saved. But no, this is what, what Peter meant was that we grow up because we are saved. That Jesus died on the cross and I am now saved. And because I'm saved, I'm doing my best to walk that out every single day. It's a great reminder that some days Pastor Jeremy Right, our pastor Lindsay, come on, yeah. Uh, we have to put away sometimes malice, deceit, hypocrisy, and envy and slander. The daily I have to go before Jesus and say, Lord, I, I take this out of me. I, I, I'm going to you know, put that away and we grow up into salvation. And I love that Peter said this. I'm gonna teach a little bit and then we're gonna have some context, okay? As you come to him, this is Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, so Jesus was rejected, how great, how great will we be rejected? But in the sight of God, chosen and precious, so you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. And I love that Peter said this because Peter was actually referencing back to one of the most popular scriptures in Matthew 16, where Jesus said, and you, Peter, you are Peter, nicknamed the rock baby, right? You're Peter, and upon Peter, right, upon this rock, 
I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Can I get a good amen right there? Right? Jesus, I said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, earlier in Christianity, I always thought, like, Jesus is going to use us to build the church, like, upon on, on us. And, and then I later learned that Jesus is the cornerstone. And, and I later learned that we have to stand on the rock, and Jesus is going to build his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But as I began to study, I actually found in a really old textbook a uh, what they believe Peter actually looked like, Peter the rock. You want to see what Peter actually looked like? That's what Peter look like back then that's Peter right there right and upon my rock I will build my church and even did you know this guy he has an avenue tattoo isn't that great isn't that awesome man this guy he goes to church but here's what I love Peter saying as you come to him a living stone I'm not the living stone because when Jesus said upon my on the, upon this rock Jesus was using his nickname to identify who Jesus was. Jesus said, upon me, I'm going to build this church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So you yourselves, like the rock, like living stones, Avenue, in this venture, uh, adventure that we're having on, 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 man, setting up and tearing down, on greeting and loving people, on attending on Sundays, and serving and giving and, and, and promoting the church, all those different things, in the midst of going to discipleship, going to Rooted this fall, going to emotionally healthy uh, discipleship, all the different things that, that we're about to do, the small groups, all the things that are taking place in this church. I want you to re- always remind yourself that we don't build the church, but we allow Jesus Jesus to build us up into a spiritual church, into a spiritual house. But I really use this key word, we have to allow it to happen in our hearts. We have to allow it to happen in our hearts. So Peter says, you yourselves, like Christ, like Jesus, we're being built up together into a temple, into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood. And this is what I want to talk about today. We are a holy priesthood. The title of my message today, if you're taking notes, is I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to say this. Hey, neighbor, I'm a priest. I'm a priest. Go ahead. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a, I'm a priest. I'm a priest. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm Father Bosma. You know, like, welcome. I'm sister so-and-so, you know. But I'm not Father Bosma. And I don't, hey, there's people that come to our church, they call me Father Bosma. I don't correct them. I love it. Yes. But I want you to know, we are a priest. My agenda today is for you to walk out of this room today saying, I'm a priest. Man, I am a priest. I'm a holy priest. I am being built up by Jesus himself. And I love this in a commentary in the uh, Dictionary of Biblical Theology. It says, the writer's focus, which is Peter, shifts quickly from the building itself uh, to the activities within. Not only are believers living stones in God's house, but the church corporately is called to perform priestly service and offer holy sacrifices. It is not my job, it's our job. Can I get an amen? Right, and so we offer priestly services. I love this in another context by Killer Church. The responsibility of a church is that every believer functions as a priest. They all give, they all worship, they all share, they all contribute to the vitality of the church. Every every joint supplies. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to declare on this Sunday morning to our online audience, wherever you're watching from, I'm here to declare I'm a POD. I'm a priest on duty. Amen? 
We are priests on duty. No, we're not POV, priests on vacation. Come on, somebody. Right? But we are P-O-Ds. When I'm a priest on duty, can I, can I tell you my, my perspective changes? When I'm a priest on duty, I walk into my workplace not saying, oh, I hate it here, but I walk into my workplace going, man, who can, who can, who can God minister today through me? May I see someone crying in the corner of their cubicle? I'm not just going to walk by. I'm going to put a hand on the shoulder and say, can I pray for you? What's going on? May I want to be at just, a, I, I want to lend my ear to you. When you're a priest on duty, you don't come to church and you don't just consume and consume. And yes, there's seasons for that. But when you're a priest on duty, you're a contributor, not a consumer. Man, when you come to church, if you're a consumer, you just see flaws. Oh my gosh, look at this, they need more stuff. But if you come to church as a POD, you see solutions. You see, oh my gosh, we, I'm going to join that team. I'm going to go back there. I'm going to make sure Pastor Jeremy's microphone is, is muted during worship. <laughs> and that's just going to bless everybody. But I want to encourage you, if you hate God's church, then you hate God's people. Because we are all together being built up by Christ so Christ can build his church. So Christ can build his church. We're not called to be consumers or to be entertained. We're called to lift up his holy name. I wrote this out and you know what rhymes. I'm here to put in my dime. <laughs> I don't know. We're not called to be consumers or to be entertained. We're called to lift up his holy name. We are priests. We are priests, right? We are priests. I'm a priest. You are a priest. We're a priest on duty. Every, everywhere we're at, we're a priest. And, you know, and I even want to say this. We don't, we don't come to church to consume or to receive. It's a byproduct of being a priest. That the Holy Spirit begins to fill us and touch us and heal us and restore us. You know, someone in our, uh, on our team came to my house on Tuesday for coaches and leaders meeting came to serve, priest on duty. Here we go, pastor, what are we gonna do? Uh, we're gonna go to two services. Okay, pastor, uh, I'm ready to join the team and things like that. And at the end, he, you know, a priest on duty raised his hand and a priest is also transparent. And a priest raised his hand and he said, I've had this issue in my heel and plantar fasciitis and, and it's just causing extreme pain. And so guess what our team did? All the priests came together and the priests all prayed for the one priest. We all prayed together and we said, Jesus, heal, uh, heal his, his heel. I pray, you know, it's, it's, it's removing the vitality of his life. Holy Spirit touched him today. We said, amen. He said, okay, well, thank you guys for praying. This morning he came up and said, it's totally healed. It feels great. It's gone. What are we? We're priests on duty. Priests on duty. So here's four goals of a priest. Here's four goals of a priest. We can study the style, and this is all throughout Scripture. Because um, really, when I, I was reading First Peter and read this months ago, and I saw we're a holy priesthood. We, us, you and I. So here's four goals of a priest because there's going to have to be some, some change that happens. Now, hear me out. I don't want behavioral modification. I want heart transformation. I don't want you walking out of here going, there's four things I need to do in order to be. No, we, we, we are to be first. And then here's the things we do because Jesus changed our heart. And so here's four goals of a priest. Number one, the goal isn't to be liked. The goal is to be like Christ. And that's hard for your pastor. I really want people to like me. It's bad. Like at the grocery store, you like me? You don't like that? Make you laugh? 
Anytime I do the debit card, Pastor Lindsay hates this. I do the debit card, he says, you want cash back? And I go, does this come out of my account? And they look at me confused. One lady said, uh, no. I said, let's go, $100, $100. But the goal isn't to be like, the goal is to be like Christ. Now, it doesn't mean you're a mean priest on duty. Understand? We don't need mean Christians. Like, go there, I got a word from the Lord. You know, like... But the goal isn't to be like, the goal is to be like Christ. Matthew 23. Then Jesus said, guys, listen, the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious people, they sit on Moses' seat. They, they love that seat of honor. And so, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. For they preach, but they do not practice. I want you to understand, Jesus said they do all for their deeds to be seen by others. Jesus is more concerned about your heart than your actions. That's why next week I'm going to talk about obedience is better than sacrifice. But priests, we also sacrifice. So what does that look like for P-O-Ds? But I want you to understand that Jesus in the Bible denounced any activity that had traces of seeking the approval or admiration of others. Do we raise our hands to glorify God or do we raise our hands to look good? Man, why do we do what we do? And if you're brand new today, I'm preaching to myself. I hear, hear me out. I want this to be a life-giving message, but man, there is, we have to really say, Jesus, why do I do the things that I do? Because I want you to know, freedom, I love this. Our, our vision for Avenue is to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and let's make an eternal difference. We are priests on duty. But freedom comes when we no longer need to be somebody special, to be somebody special, in other people's eyes, we are to be content with Christ alone. I just recently asked our team, and this question was recently asked to me, is to find true happiness with the pandemic, with the shutdowns, with the jobs and the, all the things that are taking place and the news and all those, you know, just the bad news over and over and over again. My question to you is what, define happiness for your life. Is true happiness just being content with Jesus alone? I'm a priest on duty. So number one, number one, to be liked, uh, not to be liked by others, but to be liked by Christ. Number two, the goal is to reject the world's version of greatness. Yeah, what a great word, huh? Some of you thought I put this code on, you thought I'd talk about giving today, huh? Much worse, <laughs> much worse. <laughs> but hear me out. You like that, Pastor Lindsay, huh? But hear me out. We all want to be great. We all want to be great. Raise your hand if you want to be great. Come on, it's okay. I want to be great, right? I want to be great. I want to make Jesus famous and you'll help me out a little bit too, you know. Like we all want to be great because it's what Jesus put inside of us. We all want to be great. Like I, I want to be, and for me in my context, it's I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be well-known. Pastor Lindsay and I, we don't want to be well-known. We don't want, we want people to go, oh yeah, the boss was. We want people to go, oh yeah, Avenue. Oh yeah, look what Jesus has done in that church. You know, like, we want the Nehemiah anointing where they built the wall and the bad guys are like, how'd they do it? How'd they get that? What took place? We want that kind of anointing. They didn't say, look at Nehemiah. They said, look at God's people. Look at those PLDs, those priests on duty. But hear me, on my context, I want to be a great pastor. Like, I want to be a great, great, you know, orator of, uh, a great wordsmith. I want to, I want to be able to break down the word for, for people to go, oh, it makes sense. For people to have it in, in, in the Holy Spirit. I want to be a, 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 a great minister. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great husband first, then a great preacher second. Come on, yeah. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great uh, father. 
I want to be a great dad that when my son becomes a dad, he doesn't like look back and go, why, well, why didn't my dad do this and that? I want to be a great father. I want to be a great small group leader. I want to be a great small group leader. I want to be a great uh, coach to others. I want to be, we're part of ARC. I want to be a great coach to other planters, things like that. I want to be great. But here's the question I believe that can be kind of a litmus test for our heart. I want to be great, but what about our heart? What's our heart really, um, uh, what's our heart really desire? A great question to ask this because every single person here, you should be a great employee. You should be a great son or a great daughter, or a great husband or a great wife, a great, uh, a great A-teamer, a great server, a great giver, a great, uh, you know, all those different things. We all want to be great, but a great question to ask is for whom am I seeking to be great? For whom? Is it for you guys? Is it for them or is it for Jesus? Is it for Jesus? Because here's what's interesting. <laughs> Matthew chapter 18, whoever humbles himself like this little child who came before Jesus is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Another scripture in James says, if you humble yourself, God will exalt you in due time. There's something about a priest on duty that when we humble ourselves and say, Jesus, I want to be great in your eyes, whatever that looks like. Whether that's serving in the back and no one knows my name, whether that's just stacking one chair because that's all I'm physically able to do. Father, I will do whatever it takes just to be great in your name, not by your works, but just by being a P-O-D. Another question would be great to ask is, are my plans for the glory of God? Are they for my own desire for greatness? Now hear me out. Sometimes we look at this context and go, okay, so God doesn't want me to be a great businessman or a great businesswoman. Or maybe God doesn't want me to make a ton of money. I believe that could be a gift to the local church and the many different outreaches in our city. But it's, is, it, is it God's plan? Is it God's will? Is it, or is it our desire? So number one is to be liked by God. Number two is uh, to be great in God's eyes. And, but number three is the goal is to redefine success. And we've had to do this in our, in our journey too. What's success look like as a, as, a, as, a, as a believer in Christ Jesus? What does success look like in God's eyes? And I love this. So Jesus, I mean, same thing. He, he you know, it took him over 30 years and we complain, but it takes three years, you know? And so he starts his, his uh, earthly ministry. And, and one of the first things is he gets water baptized and then the Holy Spirit takes him out to the, into, the, uh, into the wilderness to be tempted. And the devil again took him to a very high mountain and showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, all these I will give to you if you'll fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you will worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. You know what the devil was really trying to do? The devil was trying to set him up for success. Because I've found that sometimes success is more dangerous than tragedies. Because sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes success has the power to separate us from Jesus. We say, hey, I did this on my own and I was quicker than you. And so I'm going to do it again by myself on my own. And I'll encourage you God's way, I always say this all the time in Avenue Church, right? God's never too early. He's never too late. He's right on time. And I hate it. Because <laughs> I know his timing is perfect. And I've realized that the right thing at the wrong time 
It actually become more of a tragedy than success. It could become more of a curse than a blessing. Theologian Frederick Dale Bruner, related to James Bruner, he will sometimes, I'm just kidding, sometimes do absolutely anything. We will sometimes do absolutely anything to keep our work from failing. But the moment we do absolutely anything to keep our work for God from failing, we have made our work, we have made our work our God. And perhaps without realizing it, we have worshiped Satan. Now I don't want you to walk out of here and go, we worship Satan, now calm down, you know, it's okay. But this is all about why we do what we do. For whom am I seeking to be great? For whom am I seeking? What kind of success am I seeking? I really love this in the Emotionally Healthy Disciple. According to Jesus, success is becoming the person that God has called you to become and doing what God calls you to do. And in this way, according to his timetable. Friends, a lot of times what God has called you to become is not what, what she has on her, on her Instagram. Or what, what God has called you to become may not look like what his TikTok is doing or their YouTube channel or your friend or, or we all have different callings, but we, all, we were all born to worship God. So what does success look like for us today? And that's where you got to say, God, man, I want to I wanna know not what to do, but I want to know, man, who have you called me to become? It's not what you are determines who you are. It's who you are helps you determine what to do. And so here's the last one is the goal is to embrace suffering and failure. What a good word today, huh, everybody? <laughs> Amen. I promise you there's some good news. But the goal is to embrace suffering and failure. Sometimes as a church, and I've been guilty of this, we say, man, if you come to Jesus, it's going to be awesome. Everything's going to be great. The storms just go away. And how many, they're laughing, all the saints are laughing. <laughs> you know, you got twitch in your eye, you know. Man, it's not, it's not when we come to Jesus, suffering and failure just dissipates. But what I love is that it's not that the storms go away, but that Jesus is with us in the storm. He always was, but now we know he is in the storm. So the goal is to embrace suffering and failure. And here's what I have uh, realized, that Jesus, God uses suffering and failures. He uses it to transform us from willful to willing. That whatever the devil intends for evil, God will turn it around for good. And remember, this is Peter. Peter walked with Christ. He's, he's not just putting words on a paper. This is inspired words from God. But also Peter had a moment where he was going, no, Lord. Uh, Jesus said, I'm going to go get crucified. I'm about to go die. And he didn't give him the full story, but he, they, they knew Jesus was going to be like a lamb to the slaughter. And Peter took him aside and rebuked Jesus, said, far be it from you, Lord. This will never happen to you. I'm a PLD, baby. I'm going to... You know, like, like he, Peter probably was from the east side. Come on, somebody. Like, you want Jesus? You got to come through me. I know people. But Jesus turned to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Peter's like, whoa, whoa. He said, you're a hindrance to me. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. 
Man, in this moment, Peter, Peter wasn't going, how dare you, Peter? He was speaking to the influence of Satan. But what Jesus was going was, you are a P.O.D. You are a priest, a holy nation. I've been chosen you, and I need you to get your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. But here's what's interesting, and I've never seen this before. And uh, I got a good friend, pastors here. He can correct the theology in the lobby, okay? <laughs> but I want you to know this, that, that we are to be Christ-centered, but priests are also cross-centered. We're to be Christ-centered. Yes, and, and all the goodness and blessings of God are, are worth for the years. It's, this is harvest year for us. Psalms 126, our tears are, are literally watering the seeds that, that we've been sowing, that those that have gone before us have been sowing, and we will reap a harvest, and that harvest is gonna touch and reach a city, amen? amen? Right, we are Christ-centered. Man, Jesus, what have you called me to do? Jesus, what can I do in this life? And how can I begin to know you more? I don't wanna know church and just know, say, you know, all the different mannerisms. I wanna know God so I can find freedom. And if I begin to find freedom, I'm gonna discover my purpose and make an eternal difference. God, I don't wanna have that in my life. But a lot of times Jesus says, I want you to know me and I want you to be Christ-centered, but you also gotta be cross-centered. The cross, the cross-centered. And I, I want you to read this, Matthew chapter 27. So Jesus on the cross, Man, just nails are, are in, his, in his wrists or in his hands, right? We say wrists because uh, scientifically and all that. And there's two robbers next to him, one on the right, one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. Now they thought Jesus was talking about the literal temple, but Jesus was talking about himself. And so they said, you, then begin to mock him. They said, you're going to destroy the temple, which is crucifixion, and you'll rebuild in three days, which is resurrection. Save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. I wonder if Jesus was like, Peter, don't put that in my mind, because I'm about to. <laughs> I think the greatest miracle in this life, right, is, is the resurrection. The resurrecting king is resurrecting me. That's the greatest miracle. But also the second greatest miracle is what he didn't do. He didn't get off that cross. He endured the suffering and the failure. He turned to a thief on the cross and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And he stayed on that cross. I mean, literally folks, he could have been Dwayne the Rock Johnson for just a moment, ah, Darth Vader people, you know. But he knew he was a priest on duty for the salvation of all. And I'm so grateful for that. That sometimes for many of us in this room, sometimes your greatest miracle is what you didn't do. All the OGs are talking right now, huh? <laughs> You're putting away all malice and envy and hypocrisy and strife. Man, you're... You're, I, I see you, you're, you're typing in that Facebook post or the Instagram post and you said, Holy Spirit, you're deleting it. Good for you. And it's not because by your behavior, but it's by your heart. That what looked like a failure ended up being history's greatest moment. And man, my biggest challenge for you today is we have a choice today. Our choice is to save ourselves or to bear our cross. That maybe, just maybe, the suffering and pain that we're going through, maybe, just maybe, 
It's Jesus building his people because the church looks a lot like the people he builds. And maybe, just maybe, he's doing like a work inside of us. Go ahead, worship team, come on up. Because Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus never asking us to do something he's, he's not willing to do himself. In Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16, it says, Since then, you have a great high priest who died on a cross, resurrected, and ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. I'm a priest on duty. You might have to, oh my goodness. You might have to on Monday, you're like, I'm a priest on duty. 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 Your kid stabs you or something. I'm a priest on duty. I'm a priest on duty. I'm a priest on duty. It can be so difficult. Something else, something else comes out in the news. I'm a priest on duty. I'm a priest on duty. We're holding fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. I want you to catch this, okay? He's not, un, he's, una, he's not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are without sin. If he can do it, I can attempt it. But then let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in the help and in help in time of need. Here's, here's what First Peter, Peter says, okay, we're, we're holy priests. We're set apart, we're chosen. We are like the living stone. But then in 1 Peter chapter one, he, he begins this out by saying, as obedient children, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Now we know, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be like the living stone. You also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. You shall be holy for I am holy. Holy, and this is the, the words in Leviticus to, that, that God has written on paper. And, and so we, we quote this now as a church. And we say, be holy, for I am holy. Even in the original meaning, this is perfect. Be perfect, for I am perfect. How can I achieve holiness? How can I achieve perfection? Do you know the, the, the day and the times that we live in? Do you know the access that we have? You know how people are and the division that's, that's taking place? How in the world am I going to be holy? How am I going to be holy? How am I going to be a priest in training? P, oh, P-O-T. How am I going to be a P-O-D? You know, uh, my son, he's 10 years old. So pray for me. He's 10 years old. And anytime, in any moment, we try to encourage Levi. I mean, I'll say, Levi, man, man, you're awesome. You're amazing. I always say, Levi, you're great. And someday you're going to change the world for Jesus Christ. Someday you're going to make an impact. And begin to speak to Levi. Levi, you're, you're incredible. You're amazing. Not because of what he's done, but because he's my son. He's my son. And, and not only is he my son, but he's also, he's a child of God. He belongs to Jesus. I love that all throughout the Bible, Jesus is literally saying, be holy for I am holy, but be a priest because I'm the high priest. Jesus, when the woman was caught in adultery, he didn't say, how dare you, what's wrong with you? He literally picked her up and he, he, would, he would, in my context, he would say, you're a priest. You're holy, you're saved, you're set apart. The, the, the tax collectors, the adulterers, the sinners, he never walked up to them and said, what's wrong with you? He said, repent and be a priest. Be holy, for I am holy. I wanna encourage you today, man. You are a priest. You are a priest 
because of the high priest. You're a priest because of the high priest. We are not called to be consumers. We're not called to be entertained. We're called to lift up his holy name. So I'm gonna ask you this. We're gonna go into a song and now this song for me means something different. Instead of saying, Jesus, like you build the church, Psalms 127, right? God builds the church. If we try to build it, we toil in vain. But God, you build this church. You build this church. Now I see it as God, you built this church, but build me, but build me because I'm part of the church. You and me and them and they, our city, we are part of God's church. We are priests on duty. So I wanna do something real quick, not to twist an arm, because it's not what you've done, it's who you are. God didn't say, you gotta go through some credentialing and ordination for you to be a priest. No, God is saying, you're a priest. So go be a priest. You are a priest. You're a priest on duty. So be a priest. So here's my challenge today. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, if you're willing to say, I'm a priest on duty, I just want you to stand up. I just want you to stand up in your seat. And worship team, I want you to begin to sing this song right now. Come on, stand up, stand up, stand up. And it's okay if you're not, but that's fine with me. I want you to close your eyes and I'm going to just say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that I'm a priest. I'm going to build your church. I'm going to allow you to build me. So come on, worship team. I want you to sing that song, Build Your Church, Jesus. And begin to do a work inside of us. But today, I'm a priest on duty. I'm a POD. I'm like the living stone. I'm going to put it away, put away malice, envy, strife, hypocrisy. I want you to just have a conversation between you and him. Friends, you are holy because he is holy. You are a priest because of the high priest. So just take a few minutes and worship him.
have a different perspective today. Man, I hope you walk out of here with confidence today. Man, I hope God begins to do a work in your life today. You are forgiven. Man, you are redeemed, but you are called by God. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, just really quick. If you're in this room today, maybe you walked in and maybe you feel far from a priest. Man, you feel far from, from God. Maybe you walked in today, maybe today was like a Hail Mary for you. And you said, fine, I'll go just one more time. And man, the Holy Spirit, he heard you. He saw you. He began to speak to your heart. He began to wrap his arms around you of love and grace and mercy. You know what I love about the Holy Spirit is it feels a whole lot like acceptance. Because he loves you. He's called you. He created you. He formed you. He knew you. He knows you. And he loves you. Never have out of eye closed. If that's you today, and you're saying, I want to, I want to give, I want to give Jesus my life. I'm going to give him my heart. That's you. Just put a hand up and you can put it right back down if I see it. Put a hand up. Anyone? Anyone? Yep. Yep. I see you. Come on. Proud of you. Yes. Put it right back down. Anyone else? Anyone else? That's amazing. It's amazing. And we're clapping for you because, man, guess what? You're a priest. So everyone say this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, say thank you for the second greatest miracle that you stayed on that cross. For the forgiveness of my sins for the healing of my body. So I repent of my sins, say be Lord of my life. Say the best way I know how, I'm gonna live for you. So I now know who I am. I'm a priest on duty. In Jesus' name, amen.